Welcome to Two Takes on the Pod. My name is Osai, and this is my podcast where I take on themes exploring culture, society, and the experiences of Nigerians in diaspora. In this episode, we sit down with Jeffrey Ikiaka. We talk about his charity in his hometown of Dekanafai, Imo State, Nigeria. It's also called the JF Charity. The project has been going for over five years, and we sit down to talk about what it's taking to get it off the ground, how he manages the work, and where things are now with the project. Right after, we get into his socially conscious athleisure brand and end with his approach to business and entrepreneurship. I chose to have this conversation with him because there aren't many people I know based here in Canada actively working to build things back home in Nigeria. And for obvious reasons, that's really difficult to do. So I feel it's important to hear from people looking to do that work or who are actively doing it. So at the very least, we understand what it looks like, what it takes, and hopefully how we can help. All in all, this is a chill and informative conversation. With a pretty good guy. Enjoy the show. At 17, I made 17,000 living in public housing. Integrity intact, repping hard. They asked how he disappeared and reappeared back on top. Saying Nas must have naked pictures of God or something to keep winning. It's my way like Francis. As long as I'm breathing, I take chances. A soldier coming home 20 years old with no legs saying there's no sense to cry and complain. Just go ahead. So much to write and say, yo, I don't know where to start. So I'll begin with the basics and flow from the heart. I know you think my life is good cause my diamond piece But my life been good since I started finding peace I shouldn't even be smiling, I should be angry and depressed I've been rich longer than I've been broke, I confess I started out broke, got rich, lost paper, then made it back Like Trump being up, down, up, play with cash <laughs> Jeffrey, thank you for joining me today um, I really appreciate you taking the time I know you've recently come back from Nige after taking some time to focus on um, the GF charity. Thank you. And, you know, I guess say hi to the people. Peace, peace, Ward. You know, Sai, thank you so much for having me on your platform. I'm honored and I'm excited to, you know, to chat with you, brother. Me too, bro. Me too. Um, I mean, let's let's get into it, man. So uh, the GF charity, you know, I've been seeing a lot of what you've been doing on Instagram. I think a lot of us have. And I just really feel like the work that you've been doing is really, really dope. Now, you started over five years ago putting this whole thing together, you know. And you, to be perfectly honest, too, I know you had other ventures while you were in university, you know. So I'm curious, like, when did you know that this GF charity was something that you wanted to do? And what motivated you to start? Honestly, it was when we, what was when we started. Like, what made me want to know this is what I wanted to do. So how we started pretty much was... Um, you know, we went to Carlton University, and uh, I don't know if you remember, I was the president of the Nigerian Student Association. This was yep. in, in, in 2013. Mm -hmm. So, like, one thing I always promised myself was that, like, you know, being the president, like, I wanted to do something different. Like, yes, we, you know, we did all the parties, but I just told myself I wanted to just do something different. And also, mm -hmm. just my, my, my program was international relations. So my goal was always to like one day work for like the, the United Nations. So, so in 2013, I was, I was watching the news and then I learned about um, this terrible typhoon that happened in Philippines. I think it was like the, on the record, like the worst, like with the highest casualties that's, that's ever happened in that, in, in Philippines. Mm. So I was, I was like, yo, let me just do something different with with the, with the, you know with the, with Kunsa, which is the Kalten University Nigeria Student Association. 
So with, the, with my team, you know, we decided to like um, do a three-day fundraiser, which we called Give a Dollar, Save a Life. And mm. So for, for three days, yeah, yeah, for three days, you know, go, was going around school, talking to uh, professors, talking to teachers, and raised a thousand dollars. You know, honestly, it was I was so so inspired that day. Mm. So just after after raising that well, one thousand dollars with my team, so I just started thinking, you know, if if I can do this for Philippines, you know, which is never where I'm from, you know. Mm-hmm. With all the problems going on in Nigeria, you know, inequality, um, education, like poor infrastructure, like what can I do to make a difference? And I told you, like my goal was always like to work for the UN. Mm-hmm. So just after that day, I, I was just started thinking, and, and I went to I went to Nigeria in 2014. You know, I, I spoke with my parents that you know I wanted to I wanted to start a charity organization, and like the first project I would ever start was the community center, which we now started building in 2015. And, you know, fast forward to where we are today. So honestly, it's just been like a journey so far. But raising that fund, doing, raising those funds for, for Philippines was like what made me, you know, know that, wow, this is, this is my calling because I had so much fun. I felt so, mm-hmm. like, honestly, that day was one of the best days of my life. Like seeing the seeing what the amount of money I raised, you know, for mm-hmm. the people of Philippines. So that's my why. Yeah, so that's where you that's where you cut the bug. Yes, yeah. Nice, nice. So um and you know, that feeling of, you know, I think for fulfillment, I think is always something you have to listen to, right? Mm-hmm. You know, that like you said, the way you say like that that was the best day of my life. That's when you knew that, like, okay, something here is where I want to I want to kind of move forward in my life. So mm-hmm. I'm curious then. You know, you decide to do the you decide to do the charity, and then you said that you went to the community center. I mean, I have my reasons why I think that's a great idea, but I'm curious what what led you to specifically the community center um, after setting up the charity. Great, good question. Um, so for me, it was just what what would have a legacy. Like, you know, one thing with a building with a structure. My dad always tells me this: like, once you have a structure, it's not going anywhere. Like, it's gonna be there for legacies. You know, so. So I thought about community center because we don't have community centers in Nigeria. We don't like, you know, you know, you might, one person might just want to like one politician might get a, you know, might start a building, which they will never even finish. But the nature of having a community center and also just living here in in, in Canada and just seeing how like your community centers are essential. There are people who, they became who they are today because of they were going to community centers when they mm-hmm. were kids. Mm-hmm. So just, you know, seeing how community centers are in Canada, like the advantages of having it made me feel like, okay, let's start with a community center because, you know, it might, it might take a while to build, which as you've all seen, as you've seen too, I've been on this for a minute, mm-hmm. but you know, when everything comes out together, you know, when you get the right partners, the kind of impact you're going to make, you know, it's going to be for legacies to come. So that's why, uh, you know, I decided to go with uh, a community center. Nice, nice. Yeah, I think I thought that was a dope idea. And I think it was for the same kind of reasons, too, because mm-hmm. you see how it works here. That's where they might, you know, give vaccines. That's where mm-hmm. some people can go and learn how to swim or play tennis or badminton. You know, mm-hmm. they have gyms in there sometimes. So it, it really does bring the community together in, in such a healthy way that's you know it's really surprising that that's not something we 
we have a lot of in, in Nigeria at all, or at least even some other version. Maybe there is, you know, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe, you know, there's more research I have to do. But, you know, I thought that was a really, really awesome idea. I'm curious, like, how were you able to get, you know, partners? Because everybody, you know, maybe not everybody knows, but it's typically very hard to build something in Nigeria when you're away. So how were you able to maybe get the things going or at least, you know, maybe that's maybe what it might have affected the timing, but how were you able to get things going, you know, remotely? Uh, for me, first of all, it was just the the passion. Like I, I always believe that, you know, no matter what we want to do in life, as long as we have the passion, like other things are going to come. It might take a little while. It might take a few years. So that mm-hmm. was the first, that to me, that's always the first thing. As long as you have the passion, as long as you believe in yourself, you know, whatever you're working towards, you're going to get there. So now the second, secondly was in regards to partnerships, I started reaching out to organizations like uh, Rotary. Like Rotary is one of the biggest organizations in the world, humanitarian organizations in the world, you know. Mm. So I reached out to Rotary. I got a little bit of funding, not like a big funding, honestly, but, you know, I definitely did get funding from Rotary. Mm. Also, I, I there was other church organizations that I reached out to. One of them is the Knights of Columbus. They definitely helped me out. Mm. And also, but also most importantly was family. Like family was like for me, I believe in family because, you know, as you know, growing up, our families are always there. And it's a blessing, you know, to just have a family that believe in your, in your vision and your passion. Mm-hmm. So, you know, my parents really played a huge part. In, in, in us being where we are today and also friends you know being living here in toronto i i did a couple of fundraising events i did i did trail marathon because i do i run so yeah it would just be like fundraising also like i said doing the doing the, the cocktail events and also doing the fundraising mm. events like the marathon helped us you know raise those those funds and also most importantly uh partnerships that we secure like i mentioned the road tree the knights of columbus so that has been the way that we've been able to just like, you know, uh, get, get, just get keep some going. funds right. to keep right. it going. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Um, okay. So I'm wondering, you know, recently, right. You set up a medical outreach, uh, mm-hmm. at the, the community center. Um, mm-hmm. I want you to talk about, you know, the kind of programs that you, you you set up there recently and maybe what you hope to do in the future. Yeah. Great question. So the first program that we started, it was, was the health screening you know, as you know, man, in Nigeria, like malaria, high blood pressure, these are chronic illnesses that, you know, people die of, you right. know, you know, honestly, like the problem is that a lot of people, they can't, they can't even afford, um, the, the, they can't even afford to buy those drugs. So us doing something like the health, also, sorry, I even forgot to mention like eye, eye screening, that is also a huge, huge problem in Nigeria, especially with the elderly citizens. That's so true. So the first program that we, we started, with, it was, was the health screening. You know, it was honestly that day, I was so, so happy just seeing the smiles on, on, on people's faces because, you know, most of them, they can't afford to buy eyeglasses. Most of them, they might never get the chance, you know, to have an optician check their eyes, you know. So that was the first program we, we, we started with. And so... But going forward, uh, we're looking also at starting up um, educational programs such as an after-school program. Uh, another program that we're going to be starting is um, girls' rights program. You know, empowering girls, making them know that they matter. You know, even creating kind of like an economic empowerment. So 
setting mm. up loans that would assist um, uh, girls, you know, to start up their own business. Mm. Also, another program that we're going to be starting is also computer literacy program. So, you know, making sure that, you know, youths in, in Dikinafai, which is where the community center is and neighboring communities, they're, they're able to, you know, learn how to use a computer, even learning how to code, you know, so... But, you know, it's everything is all one step at a time. But we just right. started our first program. And uh, sorry, my bad. I even forgot to mention also, we, we're also going to be looking into skills vocational training. So mm. uh, we're looking at using leather uh, to empower um, women and, 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 and men. So it could be teaching them how to sew a bag mm. to create a livelihood for them. Mm. So these are the main programs that we're starting. But, you know, like you mentioned, we just started our first program, which is the health screening. And uh, we're definitely we're excited, and we're looking forward to starting our our other programs. No, that's that's awesome, man. And you know, that I'm I'm really you know really happy to hear that, and I, and I think those people will be very grateful, especially now. Like doing that medical outreach is so important because right now, you know, I'm sure a lot of uh, hospitals and you know health centers are still you know saddled with the work for with COVID nineteen. You know, so that mm-hmm. added support even to the healthcare system itself to make sure and check these people and at least give them that time. I think it's always, always important and a powerful thing. Um, you know, before I switch gears, um, I wanted to, uh, you know, we initially talked about, you know, you going back after your postgrad and dedicating some real time to kind of finish the, the, the no, I wouldn't say the tail end of the project, but maybe the specific part, right? Um, I'm, I'm curious what you learned being able to sit with it, you know, for that dedicated time, like being in Nigeria, how did all of that influence, you know, or affect the work that you were doing and how you felt about the work that you were doing? Um, it felt great, honestly. I just feel like, you know, when, whenever you're doing uh, projects like this, you definitely have to be, no matter, like you might have what you're doing, you know, in the global South, but you definitely have to go back home. You definitely have to like stay longer because for me, this is the longest I've been in Nigeria since 2009. And I mm. was able to see like how, you know, the project moved so fast, you know, because yes, you can have people on the ground, which is great, but it's always different when you're there, like you're there on the ground, you're seeing, you're monitoring people who are working there every day, knowing what they're going through, knowing, you know, if there's enough funds, knowing, you know, so for me being in Nigeria, it definitely helped me in terms of like learning more about like building structures, knowing how long it might take you know, to set up um, a roof, uh, a barbed wire, painting. Like, honestly, I can, for me, what what I learned these last three months when it comes to, like, like finishing a building, like, I'm mm-hmm. really, really glad I was able to be there because I learned so much. Like, I, I for now, like, I can definitely, I can definitely, I see myself building more, even if they're not committed, but I see myself, you know, with what I learned from this first community center in building uh, more structures, you know. Mm. So I definitely learned a lot, and I'll definitely advise anyone if you have any projects back home, you definitely have to be going and try and stay longer. You know, try mm. and stay longer because once you're there, it will definitely make a huge part. You know, mm. like for me, like so, what I was doing is like I would always go back to Nigeria, but I would be in Nigeria for like two weeks. Um, mm. The max I've ever been in Nigeria was was a month. But this time I was there for, for like three months and a half. So that's why, like, you know, we're able to, like, finish the community center and even do our first um, project, which was the health screening program. 
Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I think I think that's very, very, you know, I think it's always very important, but it's also hard, right? Like when you mm-hmm. have whatever life you're balancing out here, mm-hmm. uh, just having that, being able to give that level of commitment. So I think it was really great that you were able to do that, you know, just, I guess, with your own transitioning. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think, I think, I think there's something I think we can all learn from that. I think mm-hmm. spending more time in Nigeria and like doing the, seeing the work live itself, I think can drive it places that, you know, doing it remotely oft, often just can't. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. So one of the major focuses of the Jeffrey Foundation is also supporting the homeless people um, in Toronto here in Canada. Um, can you take me through why you felt that was a cause you wanted to focus on and, you know, maybe how it all started? Okay, so it started in 20, 20, 2016, but the vision started in 2015. So I, I moved, you know, we were both in Ottawa. So I moved to Toronto uh, 2015 after my graduation. So, you know, when I moved to Toronto, and we had already started uh, the, building the community center in January 2015. So I, I moved mm. to Toronto in, in after my graduation, so May 2015. Mm. But just knowing that, you know, the community center is going to take about four to five, five years. So I was telling myself, okay, like, what can I be doing here in Canada? Like, because okay, I knew like, I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't always be going back to Nigeria because, you know, I have my nine to five here, you know. Right. So what can I be doing here in Canada? And living in Toronto, like one of the things that I noticed, and I'm sure a lot of people, anybody that comes to Toronto, especially when you go to like, you know, the Dundas West or, you know, the Queens Key West, like one of the things, sorry, Queen West is like, what you, one of the things that you noticed is like the amount of homeless people, especially in the financial district downtown, like it's so, so much. And for me also just having that passion you know, to just want to make a difference in people's lives made me start thinking, okay, I need to start doing something here in Canada. And, you know, as you, as you know, as everybody knows, like who are the most visually impaired people? Like who are the people that are suffering the most in Toronto mm-hmm. is the homeless people because, you know, you can't work like more than downtown. You can't work more than a block without seeing a homeless person. So. Yeah, so that's why, like, I'm like, okay, let's just start something with the homeless people. It doesn't matter, even if it's small, you know, like food, clothing, hygiene, hygiene, hygiene items, which you know we all have, you know. So that's how we just started. So we started the project in in August 2016, and ever since then we've been doing uh, like monthly food, clothing, and hygiene drive here in, in, in Toronto. So that that's that's how we started. And how are you able to get resources? Are you are you reaching out to foundations in the same way that you were doing mm-hmm. before organizations that that support these kind of um, ventures? Yeah. So the first people I ever reached out to was grocery stores. You know, groceries they have they have lots of food, right? So you know, grocery Let's stores. That's a great idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Idea. Honestly, they they would definitely help you. Like, look at it this way: you can always. They're like close to 100 metros in Toronto. If you mm. go to five metros, you get a donation, <laughs> you know? So mm. th- that's what I was just doing, going from one grocery store to another, one grocery store to another. You know, I would go to like some of like the vintage stores that have so many clothes, they'll give me clothes. And, but thankfully, you know, with COVID-19, well, I shouldn't say COVID-19, thankfully, COVID-19 was a tragedy. But with COVID-19 happening, the government of Canada 
they were looking to like assist so many organizations making a difference. So for us, that was like when we got our first huge grant from the government of Canada, wow. you know, when COVID happened, you know, so, and also Rotary, again, like I mentioned, they've, they've definitely assisted us. They've been a huge, huge help to us again. You know, honestly, people, like, people want to see when you're doing good, people want to help out. It might take a while. It might take you knocking at 50 doors for that one person. But as long as you're doing good, as long as you're patient with yourself, as long as there's love in your heart, like I feel like everything is going to, you know, come full circle. It might take a while for you to get those funding, but it will definitely happen. Mm-hmm. So that's been some of our huge uh, support system here in mm-hmm. Toronto. A few gems there, you know, as long as you're patient with yourself and as long as there's love in your Thank heart, you. you know, say mm-hmm. that again. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, yes. Um, I'm curious. So then, you know, how do you get the volunteers? I mean, I've seen some of the volunteers and, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm planning to be a volunteer very soon, <laughs> yeah. but, um, you know, I'm actually bummed. I've not been out there just yet, but mm-hmm. I, I've seen some of, you know, some faces I know, some, you know, some people I know. So mm-hmm. it seems like it's also from, you know, the close friends, family, that mm-hmm. kind of vibe, like. But how are you looking to get volunteers? Or, but more importantly, if someone were listening now, how and when could they help? Is is yeah. really what I'm trying to get at. Okay, so first of all, you know, like you said, family. No matter anything that we're doing in life, family and friends are always our number one mm. support system. Family and friends, you know. So as you get those family and friends, obviously social media, people will now start seeing what you're doing. You know, people will even start reaching out to you. So please, if you want to like help assist us, volunteer, all you can do is just message us on Instagram, our website, uh, jfcharity.ca, our Facebook. So please, please, we need more volunteers. So that's definitely been uh, the main ways that we've been able to recruit volunteers is through like social media, and 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 also word of mouth you know like you know let's say one one friend comes this week you know she's so happy because she felt so good she'll mm. tell her other friends so word of mouth has also been another medium where like we've been able to like receive a lot of volunteers mm. Mm. okay um you know so basically everybody who's out there you know if you're listening here just go on instagram check out the website check out gf charity um, and go and support, man. That's all you need to do. And I promise you will feel good. Um, mm-hmm. I'm curious, though, before I switch on to the next thing, how is it like balancing out, you know, like the community center as well as what you're doing here with the homeless outreach? Like that effort. And then, you, you know, at the time, you probably have been, you know, either working your 95 mm-hmm. or you know, going mm-hmm. to school. Um, mm-hmm. How are you balancing all of that? Honestly, it hasn't been easy. Honestly, I'll be honest with you. Even... For me, even going forward now, like I'm in the process of like, I want to now start recruiting like a team, like, you know, more staffs because, you know, as you know, you can, you can never do it alone. So, Mm -hmm. but for me, again, it was all about like the reason why the community center worked so well was because of family, like having family on on ground. Like my mom is, she, she's the, the, uh, the the Nigerian country director. So, Mm. It's so easy when you have like parents who see the vision, who believe in you, you know. So having that support system has been huge, huge for for, for me. It's a blessing and it's something I never take for granted. Mm. So yeah, that's and and also even here in Canada, like when I started, when I started the community center, like I knew that, and that's why like sometimes when when you have a vision, when you have a dream, you know, you have to be realistic with your dream. You you just have to know that. 
it might not take you one year. It's not going to take you two. You know, and for example, for us being international students, like when we come here, like our first priority is, you know, finish school, right? After mm-hmm. finishing school, get your PR. <laughs> you yeah, get your PR. So for us, like, you, we mustn't just put all those high expectations on ourselves. So that's one thing with me. I just never put myself on a high pedestal being like, okay, like this community center is going to be done. And I just, I knew it was a marathon. So mm-hmm. I, I paced, I paced myself. And honestly, I'm even still learning. I'm even still going because as I told you now, I'm in the process of like, now it's time to now form a team. You know, mm-hmm. so with anything that we're doing, so I just paced myself. But going forward now, I know I'm I'm in the process of recruiting more te- uh, more members to join us. Yeah, bro. I don't know if I answered all your questions, but honestly, it was just <laughs> it was it was just like family helping me, friends again helping me, right? And being patient with myself. You know, having having board of directors that believe in the vision also they've also been of, of huge help. And now I'm in the process of like, I, I want to form a good team because, you know, I want more people to assist us, to join us, to change the world and make and make the world a better place. Beautifully said, man. Beautifully said. So the next thing I want to jump into uh, is Never Settle. You know, and if those who don't know, Never Settle is an athleisure brand set up by uh, Jeffrey as well. Um, I think you guys do something a little bit different. Um, and, uh, you know, I'll just ask it right out the gate. You know, why was it important for Never Settle to be a social impact athleisure brand? Um, good question. The main reason why Never Settle, you know, have to be, wanted it to be a social impact because, again, is my why. Like my why is like I want to make the world a better place, you know. As much as and I know we're gonna talk more about Never Settle, so people that don't know know about it. But the reason why we decided to go with the water project is because of, you know, knowing where we came from, we have so many problems. So I just wanted to tie a social cause back to Africa, back to Nigeria. So which is water. So seven percent of proceeds now goes back to to, to water. So. Like I'm understanding every day, like what my why is, you know, why I'm in this mm. world, you know, to empower the marginalized people. So that's why I decided to tie Never Settle to a social impact cause. Mm. Mm. And, you know, like with the community center, you basically have that going as well. So the idea is just really, even if you're doing something that's not necessarily focused on maybe a charity or foundation, you want to still tie that social impact to whatever it is that you're doing. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Okay. So I'm now. I'm, now I'm going to get into the weeds a little bit, but you know, um, mm. like so something I was recently I was reading reading like a uh, prosperity paradox, right? And then this mm. guy uh, Efosa Ojomo, who's one of the um, authors in there, he talked about the challenge of like trying to do. He he wanted to do some sort of water project and support. Um, you know, remote, you know, African or African, uh, um, you know, villages and things like that. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, this is not necessarily that remote per se, but, you know, obviously you're still supporting them by making water accessible, right? There's a lot of water insecurity in all over Africa. So I'm curious, you know, one of the challenges he talked about, right, is that um, there's a lack of sustainability 
you know, whether it's due to in, in, infrastructure or expertise, that is that makes it not readily available to like be maintained when you build the water like borehole or or the well or whatever the case may be. Are those things that you're thinking about at all? Or do you feel like, you know, there is enough expertise and maybe support around that? You know, like because I guess my my question really is, you know, how do you sustain that like going forward for somebody who doesn't know? Mm. So for us, uh, you know, we had to do thinking, we had to do a lot of thinking about this in regards to like, you know, obviously we can we can go anywhere in, in a village and, and build a well. You know, mm-hmm. but one thing like we decided to do that we learned about was like we need to make the community members part of this. Like mm-hmm. we need to make it part of their their like yes, we built it, but it's it's theirs because they are the ones that are going to be maintaining it. So what we did is we 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 reached out to a local church. So the, the community that we built the water project is um Obingu, which is a rural village in, in Abia State. So what we did is uh, we reached out to this local church on ground. You know, we, t- we we partnered up with them, you know, we built the well, but they're the ones managing the day-to-day. You know, for example, you know, like generators, sorry, uh, water boreholes in Africa, you know, you have to like use a generator to pump those water. So mm-hmm. they're the ones that even own that generator. So, you know, so when you do things like that, like you make them feel like, okay, we're part of this, you know. Yes, you built it for us, but we're the ones like managing the day to day. So for right. people out there looking for ways to like, you know, do something like this is I would advise you to like, you know, go to the locals, talk to them, you know, network with them, dialogue with them. You know, it mustn't even be churches. It could be you can even go to like the leader of the community, the king, uh, the easy, you know, let them know what you want to do, other than just like going and building a well. You don't even know if you know, it's going to be sustainable. But for us now, we know it's going to be sustainable because, you know, it's right we next to the a community. Church. We yeah. went through the community. We know the community members. It's right next to a church. It's right next mm. to a school. So we definitely know that, you know, and also we mm. check up on them. You know, we have team members who go on ground just to see, okay, is everything okay? Is the water okay? Is the color of the water okay? So it's mm. just, Having that, like, you know, that dialogue with the community members and them knowing who you are. Mm. Yeah, that hands-on mm. approach. Yeah, because, mm. and yeah, because a lot of times, like, you know, when people try to solve these problems, you know, there's, you know, I mean, obviously they mean well, but so mm-hmm. there's sometimes a level of condescension that happens where mm. you not really thought about what the people themselves need. You just think that, well, they need this, so I'm just going to put it there. But mm-hmm. listen, I listen to the things you're saying. You're reaching out to the church, you know, which is always an influential aspect of the community. It's located mm-hmm. near a school. So that also access that that access to church and the school, which are key, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I say cornerstones of any community, starts mm-hmm. to give you that 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 involvement. And then they were not also involved in setting things up, right? So they didn't they're not just seeing something that they don't they didn't talk to anybody. Nobody knows what happened. It just popped up there and now we want to use it. They know how it where it got together. They're gonna know who who to reach out to if there's a problem. Mm-hmm. All those things I feel like you know start to you know build a better picture for 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 the kind of work that you might be doing. So that's that's really dope. And and it's you know it's important that sometimes I just think that you know that's why when you go and you do it like by yourself for for your people or or mm-hmm. for you know for your country whatever the case may be y- y- there is a level of there's a touch that's there that's you know somebody who doesn't really understand um might not just be able to tap into you know so 
I, I thought that was interesting and I just wanted to you know pull that out as well because I think mm. sometimes people just hear hey you, you you did this and that's all it took how much money did it cost you you know you throw money at the problem and that's it but like you you know like like we can see with your situation like it takes some time and and a hands-on yeah. approach definitely no you said it was definitely bro like you know there's nothing more like sowing a seed but sowing it with the community members because they would appreciate what you're doing they will love you because they know it's going to be making a huge impact mm. Mm. Now, now the funny thing about this, like, <laughs> is that we were talking about never settle, but we've really just been talking about the social impact of I know. It, which, which, which speaks to which speaks to mm. you know just what you're doing, right? I think I think that's mm-hmm. a beautiful thing to see. But you know, let's get into into the into the brand itself, into the uh, mm. in, into the merch it, itself. You know, mm. setting up an online store, sourcing material, etcs. That's that's something you know. Um, wait, is that something you were able to do yourself effectively or how, how did, were you able to kind of start pulling all those things together? Yeah, like, on, honestly, I just did it myself. Like, you know, we live in a day and age where, like, everything is online. You know, like, like online store now, Shopify, they make it so, so, so easy. I won't say easy because it's still, it's so, it's, it's still so work. hard to, it's still, it's still work, but. Honestly, Shopify, there's a reason why like their stock is over like a thousand. <laughs> I mean, who knows? It might even be two thousand now. There's a reason. There's a reason, you know. But it's a well-drilled, it's a well-oiled machine. Shopify, they make it very, very easy for you to use, you know. And sourcing material, you know, China right now is like China is like where everything. Obviously, the pandemic kind of like made everything. You know, a little bit harder. Pushed everything, everything harder, but you know, China is is where is that? You know, and how are you, know, you able still, to? Sorry, continue. No, I was just gonna say, although like in the future, we still plan to like be, start sourcing the material ourselves, doing it ourselves. But you know, for now, which we're sourcing it from from China. Yeah, I think anybody that knows anything about this kind of work knows that it's extremely difficult to do that. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so we definitely understand that. Um, how are you even able to guarantee that the material is, you know, the quality you want? Like, did you have to get samples first, and mm-hmm. you know, and then basically order this, maybe order in bulk after? How did you? Is it some drop shipping style method? Like, how are you able to make mm-hmm. sense of, you know, uh, of that piece of the of the puzzle? Yeah, so you know, you answered it. So it's it's all about sample. I I can't stress how important like sample is. Like you need you need that sample to know. Okay, you know, because you can't just like as much as drop shipping is it's good. I know a lot of people are using it, but just for me, like I just sample is just the way for us that we go by. Like getting the sample, feel the material, just mm-hmm. get that first of all relationship with with the person you're buying it from. You know, before you just like ordering in bulk, but sample first, and then we we go forward from from there. Mm. Mm. Oh yeah, I mean, I think for anybody who's listening, like at least they understand and know that, like you know, there is a little bit of a touch to the quality that you're looking for, and mm-hmm. you can also tell that with some of the materials as well. So, you. um, you know, yeah, definitely people should also check out Never Settle and uh, you know go support the brand. It's not just you know <laughs> gonna gonna make you look good and fly. You're also gonna mm-hmm. be helping a community out there. Yeah, um, so- I'm. I'm curious. So, like, once you're done with, like, you know, this community in Abia State, are you going to keep going to more uh, different, you know, uh, communities? How how do you see that evolving? Yeah. So, yes, the goal is to to go across Nigeria, you know. So, we started with Abia State, 
you know, we see ourselves going to other states in Nigeria. So one thing I know for sure I want to do, and we, we, like this is our vision behind it, is like we want to build the water borehole in like, you know, in Nigeria, we have three different regions. So, you know, so we want to build in all the regions in Nigeria. So, but it starts from, you know, Abia State. And we're looking to like go through other states in Nigeria. So, you know, but Abia State is our first one. And definitely uh, this coming year, uh, we're going to be drilling in, in another uh, rural community. So I, can't, I don't know the year. I can't, I, can't, I can't say the name yet, but definitely 100% sure. We're definitely going to be going around Nigeria, more, more small, more rural villages. In, in Nigeria, and also one day, even going across across other uh, other regions in, in Africa. Mm, that's that's beautiful to hear, and uh, yeah, you know, I think it's always you know it's always interesting to see how like that whole part develops too. But you know, that was just something that popped into my head. next phase of the conversation I want to get into is your perspective on entrepreneurship, right? Um, for me, I feel like you've kind of always had that mindset, like, you know, just from, I don't know, just when we talk and we chill, like, I always got that vibe, you know, with that nah state of mind kind of thing. Mm. So, so, so I'm curious, like, you know, what do you think is a, you know, um, is a major key to entrepreneurship for you? And how do you, I think I already know the answer to this, but I just want you to <laughs> elaborate a little bit more. But how do you implement this into the work that you choose to do? So, you know, when, when you think of entrepreneurship, you know, what exactly is your North Star? Patience. Actually, there are mm. two things, vision, vision and patience. Mm. Like, I can't stress how both of them, because I'm even still learning how to be patient, you know. You know, as long as, you know, for me, the vision is like just knowing that you started something. You know, you started something great, trusting yourself, you know, trusting your product, you know, even if you know that when sales are not coming, you're not phased because you know that, like, I know my product is great, but maybe because of this person hasn't seen it, or maybe because I don't have this person in my team, but you just have to be sure of like what you're doing. So for me, it's just having that vision and being patient because yeah, yo, we had the pandemic. You know, sometimes we don't know how, how you know, bad this pandemic was. Like, some businesses closed down. <laughs> you know, people mm-hmm. lost bill. Like, you know, people lost a lot of money. So, for me, just being patient with your brand, but it just all starts with you just knowing that you know, believing in your brand, having that vision, like where you see yourself. You know. Mm-hmm. So my my I, so for me I call them the three P's. So it's it's passion, which is like why you start something. Like what is my passion for starting something? You know why did I start this? Like where do I see this going? You know, uh, patience, which is like okay, you know today I didn't make this sale. You know maybe I, I made zero dollars today. You know but maybe I can make a thousand dollars one other day, and then perseverance so that perseverance is what is going to like wake you up in the morning okay let me go this let me let me slid into all these dms let me you know let me <laughs> let me give you this. your back <laughs> yo that perseverance like you know let me let me do this like you know 10 percent off you know let me let me go to like stock market let me let me retail my thing you know let me just like let me just put myself out there so it's like passion 
patience and perseverance. So that's my three Ps. And for anybody trying to be an entrepreneur, like you definitely need those three qualities because like it it would it would take you where like you never expected. I'm still growing, you know, God willing, I still wanna go further, I'm still learning. And 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 uh, by the grace of God, you know, just taking it a day at a time, you know, we we, we believe we're, that we're going to, we're definitely heading to the right direction. For sure, and amen to that. You know, um, you, one thing I noticed too is that like you started a good amount of all this work before you actually started pursuing a post grad at Queen's University. I think for mm-hmm. entrepreneurship and innovation, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Um, and how do you feel that will help your current efforts and your future endeavors in you know in this path as well? Oh man, that was honestly Queen's University was it was a blessing. If mm. it wasn't for the if it wasn't for the pandemic. <laughs> Fair <laughs> you know, enough. You know, started like we started uh, twenty nineteen. So literally February, March was when the whole thing started and we were still in school, you know, but going to that school taught me how to be like a better entrepreneur, just how to think differently, how to market my product, like how to how to and also, one good thing about Queen University is like you know the 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 network. The network, even I just feel even with the network, I haven't even like tapped in fully in it because like next, I do, what 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 alumni tell me is like yo next two three years, <laughs> like that's when you even start seeing more of the benefit of the alumni network mm. because you know say you want to work for the government, you see someone that went to that same school with you. It's always it makes things a little bit easier, you know, if you know someone there already. So I, I even feel like I haven't really tapped into the full potential of the of of, of the alumni network. Mm. But most importantly, just going to that school made me know more about entrepreneurship, like the risk that you have to take as a business owner, you know, how you have to, like I said, mentioned earlier, how you have to market your product, innovation, like what new things can you bring into your organization, whether it's even nonprofit that can make you stand, that can make you different. So it was a great experience if it wasn't for like how, how it ended because of the pandemic. Mm. But I'm, I'm thankful, I'm thankful, you know, for Queens. No, that's that's beautiful. And, that, and that's something I hear a lot from my friends that have been out there, you know, the, the alumni network and some of the things that they even teach you while you're there to help cultivate that, you know, that instinct as well. Mm. So that's 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 really dope to hear. Yo, so, you know, we're almost at the end, man. And thank you again. Um, so at the end, we do this thing called two takes. And I noticed you seem to have an appreciation for the good self-help leadership books, you know, as I went through your, your, your page and, you know, particularly people in the black community. So for today's two takes, I'd like to, you know, try something a little bit different. Um, I'm curious, uh, the most impactful, impactful book on leadership, entrepreneurship, self-help, that you've read, matter of fact, album include album in there <laughs> that you've Ooh, read wow. or listened to, and what you took away. You know what? Uh, what? 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 What's, uh, what would you say there? Honestly, I'll put three of them. Okay, can I make three, please? Because now you I'm, added I'm, music, I have to. Put yeah, music. no, right. <laughs> I, I had I had to do music with you. There's no way I was gonna let that one slide. I told you. I uh, music, but yeah, yeah, go go all three, please. I think the more the merrier, even. Okay, so right now, like honestly, there's a book I'm reading right now. It's, uh, it's called A New Earth, uh, Awakening to Your Life's Purposes by um, Eckhart, Eckhart Tolle. Mm. Honestly, I've never heard something like this before. You know, like, like, like reading has, like, has, has helped me a lot in my life, mm. honestly. But this book I'm reading right now is teaching me so much about, like, you know, sometimes our problem is that we're not in the moment. Like, we're all in a rush, like, you know, so 
I'll definitely say anyone, if you're looking to like know more about like, you know, about life, about yourself, about your consciousness, because sometimes all of us, like we're, we're unconscious, but we don't even know. We're unconscious so to, we're unconscious so to the media. We're unconscious to, to, to like, just like to the to likes. Our purpose. To our purpose. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes we're unconscious in life. So, so this book is just teaching me how about like just staying in the purpose, awakening to your life purpose mm. and just being a better person. So that's the first book, A New Earth. And then, right. you know, this is, and this is for like a self-help book. Right. So secondly, I uh, would be, um, uh, I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of, of, of Alibaba, you know, so okay. as you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm a huge, Jack huge Ma. fan of, uh, yeah, Jack Ma, I'm a huge fan of his. So I read his um, autobiography. It's called The House That Jack Ma Built. So it's a great book about entrepreneurship. You know, Alibaba is, is a is a billion dollar company, so the juggernaut. You know, so, yeah, exactly. So I mean, if you go there, it's it's, it's so so even confusing sometimes. If you go there, it's so so confusing. But you know, like I said, China is where is that? Like, so if you're trying to be an entrepreneur, I'll definitely tell you to you know to tap into into Alibaba and and, and Jack Ma because you know he he's like you said he's a juggernaut. Like he's doing big things. Mm. So finally, music, of course, I gotta go for my man Nas and. Mm. The album I would say is 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 life is good. Mm. Life is good. You know that that word. That's that's like one of my favorite uh, words. Like, you know, yeah, life I know, is good. I know. Yeah, you know, life, <laughs> I remember because I was jamming it, and we must have listened to it uh, around the same time. Because I think mm-hmm. I bumped into you or something like that, and you just were throwing it. I was like, "Yep, like he, he gets it. He gets it." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, like it's just life. Like, what is life? You know, mm-hmm. life. Life is good. Like, that's how life is. So we have to wake up every day, you know, meditate. And this is me just going extra right now. So just like <laughs> meditate, you know, think positive thought, words of um, affirmation. Look yourself in the mirror. Tell yourself good things about yourself. You know, tell mm-hmm. yourself that life is good. You know, so yeah, those are the three. Those are my three takes. You know, I hope um, it could help someone out there. Amazing, amazing, amazing. So you would basically say the entrepreneur you most admire would be Jack Ma or would that be somebody else? And this is all of time. You know, it doesn't have to be uh, somebody who's presently here. Honestly, and this is me um, being real, I would say my dad. I would say my dad, honestly, because, yeah. Like, and I'm not trying to say, like, my dad is, like, the greatest entrepreneur or anything, you know. And he's not perfect. You know, he has... He has, you know, some problems of himself too, but, you know, just growing, um, him being there for me, always sacrificing and just wanted to like be like him, you know, his mm. the good qualities that I like to him, his entrepreneurship, like him, like when it comes to that, like, you know, how he started from nothing, you know, raised um, from uh, from a family of nine, big family, you know, just, been an entrepreneur maybe since six, 15 or 16 you know so i would definitely say my dad is like someone that like has really really inspired me and he doesn't even know that i, I do tell him sometimes <laughs> but he doesn't even know and you know the more we go older the more we get closer to our, our, our parents you mm-hmm. know like he doesn't even know that yeah he doesn't even know but i'll definitely say my dad honestly. that's beautiful man that's beautiful and hopefully he hears this too mm-hmm. um bro 
thank you so much for taking the time. You know, thank you for the work that you're doing. And, you know, I'm excited to see it every time I, I pop come across it. You know, I think I will find more ways to kind of be involved in the future as well. And I encourage anybody who's listening to this to, to put that effort, you know, try and, you know, get in support and, you know, learn from this, from this, uh, I think from this endeavors. But I'm excited to see where this goes, man. But thank you so much for taking the time, man. Really appreciate you. Man, it's a it's a it's a pleasure being here. I'm humbled, you know. Anytime I'm I'm on someone's platform, it could it could be anybody else, but you know, you chose me. And I see what you're also doing for for the community, you know, for Nigerians. Like you're putting a lot of people out there, you know. So anytime like I get to be on on any platform, I don't take it for granted. And uh, yeah, thank you, thank you for having me. And I look forward to to having more personal conversations uh, with you. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And for sure, that will come. And that's another episode. First up, big shout out to Jeffrey for coming through and sharing his time and speaking so candidly. Uh, it was definitely a fun conversation for me, and I hope it was a fun listen for you guys too. Don't forget to go support the JF charity um, and help the kids in the Kenafai community. Go support Never Settle as well. You'll be helping um, fund the borehole project he's doing in Abia State of Nigeria as well. And, um, you know, if you have any thoughts on his books or anything like that, I'd love to hear it. Okay, what's my take? Well, Jeffrey talked about three Ps passion, patience, and perseverance. I think one more important P um, that we kind of touched on in the conversation is working on your purpose. You can tell that even if all the answers weren't available to him, he continues to walk in his purpose. So if this story inspires you to help and support the brand, well, that's great. Go out there and do that. But I hope it also helps us understand the value of moving with our purpose and at least trying to identify it. I do believe that in this rat race of capitalism that we're all in, we owe it to ourselves, if we can afford it, to find some sort of purpose. Yeah, that's it. That's my take. Let me know your thoughts on, you know, the conversation, on my take, um, on the books that he's talking about by writing to two takes on the pod at gmail.com. If that's too much stress, no problem. You can just follow me on social media and two takes on the pod on Twitter and Instagram. I'm looking forward to hearing what you have to say. I'm looking forward to exchanging and getting some new ideas from you as well. One more thing. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. You can find this wherever you find podcasts, especially Spotify, Apple Music, and Google Podcasts. If there is another podcast platform that you would love to hear me on, let me know and we can put it on there as well. While you're there, give this some love and give this five stars because, you know, I think we deserve it at this point. This has been two takes on the pod. Thank you for listening. It's a declaration. Young black nigga trapped and he can't change it. No, he a genius, he just can't claim it. Cause they left him no platforms to explain it. He frustrated, so he get faded. But deep down inside, he know you can't fade him. How long should I stay dedicated? How long till opportunity meet preparation? I need some real nigga reparations. Or I run up in your bank just for recreation. Dedication, hard work, plus patience. To some more my sacrifice, I'm done waiting. I'm done waiting. Talk-
Now you hear what I've been saying. Dedication.